It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger stranger around a crowd. Recording. Had some extra cable going on here. There we go. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for that assist. <laughs> I'm here to please. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking like a robot? <laughs> it's all AI inspired, man. Oh. Yeah, you're not going to need me anymore. You're just going to have an AI. And you're Is that AI two letters? <laughs> you know what it stands for? <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Oh, no way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, not comma intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> comma intelligence. We should start a, a parody site called KI. <laughs> it's uh, a chat GPT, but with comma intelligence. <laughs> we should just call it PI, politic intelligence, and mm. like, like make fun of uh, all the sides. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, yeah, we've already started. I know. Welcome to, to the, the shores. shores. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. It has been. It's been a wild and crazy ride. Yeah. You had some vacation. Mm-hmm. I went and visited my mom. Little SOI sabbatical. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Refreshed? I think so. Uh, it's hard to talk about like what, it's hard to think about what we talk about tonight because we haven't talked about a lot of things. I know. <laughs> Well, let's just do what we do and see what comes up. Yeah. You mentioned right before we hit record, you said, is it all luck? Yeah. What did you mean? I don't know. It's just super interesting, like how things lay out, you know, like, like, I don't think you or I would say we thought our lives would be what they are today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like for good and bad and it's like it's something that you kind of set out and you have this ideal or ideas of what your future is going to look like. And I don't know very many people that say like, Oh yeah, my future looks exactly how I thought it would look like. Right. Uh, and I'm talking about people that are beyond their forties, you know, as far as you know, maybe in your twenties and thirties, you, uh, you can maybe say, yeah, I'm totally like on track with my life plan. <laughs> right. I think in high school you can say that. Mm-hmm. Like you get into the college you want, you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally on track. But then it all kind of starts falling apart from there. It's not even that it falls apart. Mm -mm. It's just that things go differently than you could imagine. And isn't that wonderful though? Yeah. Because if your reality was limited to your own imagination, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be somewhat boring? If everything worked out the way that you wanted it, if everything was the consequence of what you dreamed up, mm-hmm. like I can see how that would be awesome in some sense, mm-hmm. but you need variety and surprise adversity in order to have a good time. I think and adversity comes as a consequence of variety and surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I keep coming across that lobster comment that you made. Uh, it might have been one of our episodes where in real life, you and I <laughs> talking. Mm-hmm. Um, just how the lobster wouldn't actually change its shell unless it felt uncomfortable and had to yeah. go hide itself and then shed its shell and then grow a new one. And then mm-hmm. it'd be good for a period of time and have to do it again. And 
um, that's really just stuck with me over the last few weeks um, since we've done the podcast and just so true. We just will not change without some sort of uncomfortableness. Discomfort. Discomfort. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it's interesting. Like we, we desire to be comfortable and well, something about that's not good. That's not okay. I wouldn't say we desire to be comfortable. I mean, we desire comfort in the midst of discomfort, but I also think we desire discomfort in the midst of comfort. Hmm. Goes back to that song I always try to sing. Which one? To bleed just to know you're alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I could never sing. <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls? Uh, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. You remembered. <laughs> I don't want the world to see me because mm -hmm. I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I just want you to know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the world to see me. God, it sounds so much better when you do that. I, <laughs> I don't want the world to see me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Eddie Vedder singing yeah. Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. yeah. Maybe worse. <laughs> but but do you know what I mean? Like when you're comfortable, you only really enjoy it for a certain period of time. Hmm. And then you get antsy, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I need to get up. I need to go outside. I need to do something. And you might say that a bed is comfortable, but what happens if you stay in bed too long? Hmm. You get sores. Yeah. Your body starts to develop wounds. Yeah, atrophy. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of bed sores. But oh, gotcha. Yeah, but your muscles would atrophy too. So hmm. you need a mixture. And I'm thinking about your question, is it all luck? I think a significant amount of our lives is something like luck. Mm-hmm. And that might just be a, that word might be a veil that allows us to talk about something which is extraordinarily complex. Hmm. Like of all the things that could happen, you know, a certain thing does happen. Mm -hmm. Is it luck? I mean, you're partly involved in it, but it's partly something like, well, what's the probability that in thing might happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think luck is too cheap of a word, but it's a, it's a right. useful, it's a useful word. Uh, as far as we kind of all know, it's like, oh, you're just lucky, you know? Right. But it's kind of cheap, I think. I mean, I think it, I think you're right. It is cheap. I'm trying to think of a better alternative. I'm thinking of a person who might say of their spouse, you know, I, I just got so lucky to be with her mm. or I got so lucky to be with him. I think what that person is trying to say is she or he is better than I would have known to imagine. Mm -hmm. And I get to be with him. That seems like luck. Yeah. You kind of acknowledge uh, I wasn't smart enough to, <laughs> to, to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What kind of turned me on to is like a, a friend of mine mentioned a, a book by Annie Duke. Um, I think it's like uh, Life and Bets or something like that. She's the poker player? Mm -hmm. She's a poker player and she's on a lot of different podcasts and uh, he kind of reminded me of her and and just like there's a certain amount of skill in poker and and playing the odds and then there's a an amount of luck right. that, that kind of comes into it. So you could kind of say that 
it's not all luck because there's a certain percentage of times that, you know, if you have two aces, how many times is the, uh, another ace going to show up, you know, or you almost have a flush and you just need one more heart. Yeah. It's like there's, you know, one in you know, 40, whatever, certain time. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know the percentages, but. Well, it's interesting to me that we actually really like games that have a certain element of luck. Hmm. <clears throat> when it's pure skill, <clears throat> you don't, not as many people do it recreationally. Hmm. Like what? Um, so I'm thinking about like the Olympic sports, for example. Hmm. Seems it's sort of pure skill. Of course, there's some luck, but not like there is in poker. Yeah, you know, you don't start the the Olympic swimmers don't start with a unknown uh, deck. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, gotcha. But we, none of us really go out and recreationally <laughs> swim laps. Um, at least not many of us. Some of us mm -hmm. do it for exercise, but we actually go play poker for fun mm -hmm. and that's because there's some luck involved backgammon is another game mm -hmm. that is heavily luck based but it's incredibly enjoyable to play mm. and part of it is because it's so luck based that you don't have to have a ton of skill to play it and enjoy it and mm. win every once in a while Yeah, but it also frees you up to be able to it's a two player game but I can talk to you while we play I've never played yeah. backgammon. Yeah, I can talk to you. It's a good, it's a good drinking game because mm -hmm. you know I don't have to worry about my, you know, being cognitively impaired. Mm -hmm. Whereas, in a game like chess, I was about to say that. Yeah, you and I will play chess. We don't drink. We don't talk. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's your intellect uh, against mine, uh, and uh, it's very intense. Yeah, that's enjoyable, but it's a different kind of enjoyable. Hmm. You know, there's a higher level of skill involved with chess. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting too, it's like, uh, maybe not. It's like once you get to the higher levels, is there, like once you're evenly matched, like uh, Magnus versus, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Harakari, I think his name is Harakari. You know, it's like when they're playing, is there an element of luck with that? But I, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe how they're feeling or... There could be elements that kind of maybe play into that, but I mean, really, it's only who gets to be white. Mm -hmm. Oh, true. Yeah. Beyond that, it's it's all it's all skill. Yeah. But hmm. poker is really fun because you never know how the hand you're going to start with. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's so much different from like the Olympics too. Like the swimming thing you're talking about is like every time the World Series of Poker happens, it's it's like you know five thousand or ten thousand people starting off and all these like high high roller poker players start in that match where like you know Michael Phillips isn't going to go race against uh you know some home bucking home bucking what's a home bucking home bucking I don't know sorry small town kid uh -huh. and and work his way up every year to win right. a gold medal you know it's already established like if you can beat this time you know then you're eligible for those higher, um, higher stakes of mm -hmm. swimming, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's the, 
in life, you know, there's certain things where you're born, like we're born in the United States, you know, uh, in Texas, um, uh, born, know. born into this period of time too. Mm -hmm. born in the 20th century. Yeah. And it's like, was well, that kind of luck or <laughs> mm. <clears throat> see luck does the word luck doesn't seem applicable to that. Oh, interesting. How so? I don't know exactly. Yeah. I mean, what's the process by which you get placed, your your soul gets placed into a body at a particular location in a particular point in time? Hmm. And such an interesting point, too, in time, being the, you know, our lives straddling the dawn of the, uh, <laughs> dawn of the um, digital age. Mm-hmm. You just blew my mind, honestly. You were kind of, you were heading in a certain direction. I was like, I know this is probably so ridiculous and childish, but I was like, why wasn't I born mm -hmm. 300 years ago? Right. Like, like the Michael who says I, like, how, like you could say, I mean, you can go back to like, okay, DNA, blah, 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 blah. But well, like, it's like the answer is because you are your parents' Uh -huh. son and your parents were born at their particular time yeah because they are their parents kids mm -hmm. i mean and if you believe in god and you think you have a soul mm -hmm. well then that uh, honestly makes the question even more interesting oh interesting oh. because why would it be then you could ask god mm -hmm. why did you put me here you know why not um why not the year 1900? Why not year zero? Mm -hmm. What purpose do I have for you in this particular point in time? Yeah. Such a trip. I, I want to tell the story I told you earlier, but uh, I don't know if I told you this or not. No, I, I think I told Allison. Uh, <laughs> I went home to take a nap. Did I tell you about that? <laughs> Not recently. Oh, okay. I've known you to take naps before, okay. though. So. <laughs> well, I go home and sometimes I'll, 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 I'll close my eyes for 15, 20 minutes. I might yeah. sleep. I might not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I call that a lay down reset. A lay down reset. That's what I was doing. Yeah. Anyways, I had this experience where I was sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, like when people are in a coma and they're coming out and everything's blurry and, and they kind of don't know where they're at. Uh, it was as if I was in this life <laughs> and I was coming out of a coma, but I was obviously kind of like in a daydream kind of thing. And I could see like, you know, the light through my eyelids. Mm -hmm. And so I had this weird experience of thinking, I was like, what if I've been in a coma this whole time? <laughs> and like, I'm about to wake up and everything that I've known up to this point has been my coma self. Yeah. And it was really trippy. You know how you're kind of like not quite asleep, but you're also like, and it was this really weird sort of like a, a moment where I was like, I didn't know what was true, what was not true, you know? Yeah. And it kind of hung with me even as I was going back to work a little bit. And I was just like, I don't know, it was, it, was a, it was a really fun little moment of, huh, this is so weird. And then you get into that space where you're, I'm like alive, like I'm doing things. <laughs> what is, what's going on here? It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. In moments like that, you kind of think of like all your troubles as sort of like erroneous. You know, it's like, 
it's like, wow, I'm like breathing air. I'm, you know, I could die tomorrow. <laughs> do, do you really have troubles in relation to the <laughs> fact that you're, in the, you're alive? Yeah. Like, so I just want to hang on that idea of like waking up from a coma mm-hmm. for a second. Um, I have that experience, some similar uh, experience to that. Sometimes if I go sleep somewhere else other than my own home and like the first night in a new place, I'll wake up and you can kind of tell before you really even open your eyes, everything's different. Hmm. And like in your mind, you're in your own bed and then you kind of have to like, oh wait, what room am I? Oh, where, what is this? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? <laughs> and, and the memory and reality comes flooding in fairly quickly, but there's a moment where everything's suspended. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of... Um, when I was a kid, I had this experience where I was spending the night at my grandparents' house and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was pitch black, like zero light. I couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know where I was. And it was so dark that I couldn't get my bearings. So I remember getting, I found the edge of the bed and I got down to the floor onto all fours and I was crawling around feeling for things. I was like, oh, right, I'm at grandma and grandpa's and there's that dresser. Okay. I know where I am. And I made my way to the door and opened the door and some moonlight came in and but it was a very strange experience. Hmm. And then I think, um, I just recently read C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed, which he wrote after his wife died. Hmm. And he ta- and just, it's basically just, a, a his journal kind of, he apparently just had notebooks that he was writing thoughts down as he was going through that grief. And, um, my dad passed away recently. So I've been reading that, I suppose for some, what's the word? Solidarity, maybe. Yeah. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. But he talks about how his grief sometimes feels like you're alone in a pitch dark room and you don't know where you are, and then you hear something, and that sound gives a size to the room, and you think, oh, maybe I'm in my own house, and then maybe what you hear is a familiar voice. Oh, that's my friend. I'm someplace safe. Hmm. But before you start recognizing things, there's this feeling that you have that I might be in a dangerous place, Hmm. and you don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting how the unknown can resolve into the known and safety or into unknown and, and danger. Hmm. And the way that you respond as you're seeking out the answers to those questions, I think reveals something deep about the nature of existence. That's interesting. Just the idea of waking up and trying to establish and metaphorically or even literally where you stand. Where am I? Right. Like you thought you had a baseline mm-hmm. understanding and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, maybe my baseline understanding was just a coma that I've been in forever mm-hmm. and now I'm waking up into the real world. Yeah. I mean, it's very much the idea of inception. Mm. Yeah. You don't know if you're in a dream. Mm-hmm. Or just even can you talking about it's even grief when you lose somebody close to you and they sort of tethered a certain aspect of reality for you that 
when that's gone, it's sort of like, like, oh, I feel untethered. I have to kind of like get my feet underneath me. I mean, the, just the metaphor or the uh, idea that we talk about that. Hold on, let me let me kind of get my feet underneath me before I start this yeah, week, and then, right. then I'll get back to you. You know, and it's that's just the idea of stabilizing, hmm. and and it's interesting too because being destabled, destabled. Destabilized. Destabilized. <laughs> wow. Destabilized. It's 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 actually sometimes a really good thing. You know, too much is not, but it kind of helps you look at things new and mm, yeah. and take on a new aspect. Or even like, you know, you're talking about like, you know, like my dad's my dad died, your dad's died dead and well, I said, <laughs> my words are it's not kind of harsh out. thing to say. <laughs> your dad's dead your dad's dead my dad's dead well you know. <laughs> but it's like there's also there's there's certain parts too where uh we had another friend recently like where their parents passed and and they are the elder generation mm. and it kind of changes your perspective all of a sudden like there's no more there's not another generation ahead of you like you are that generation ahead and it, and those things make you look at life differently um, when you have people in, before you it's like you have someone to look to and then you know and then also behind and then at some point you become that sort of high or in in the you become the behind, <laughs> become the, behind. the caboose uh-huh. yeah it's interesting you said, let me get my feet underneath me, mm-hmm. which is something that makes perfect sense. Like I'm I'm trying to – I'm encountering something unknown. I'm encountering some amount of confusion. Mm-hmm. I'm encountering a task that needs doing, understanding, solving. What do you do? You stand up. Mm. You stand up under it. Like it wouldn't make – you wouldn't ever say, hold on, let me get my head in a comfortable position. <laughs> like there is yeah. something about – Well, let me gather my thoughts. I mean, you'd you say might say that, like that. Yeah. yeah. But but, yeah. but the fact that it is a, a – what is that, a colloquialism? Let me get my feet underneath me. It says something about the idea that as a living creature, we stand up hmm. so that we can do things. We're active. We don't use metaphors of rest for dealing with problems, hmm. which kind of goes back to the comfort-discomfort thing. Mm-hmm. In times of discomfort, you might seek comfort, but also in times of comfort, you seek discomfort. Here's a problem. Here's a new unknown. Well, let's rise and face it, just like the sun rises, and it naturally wakes you. Mm-hmm. When I was in – I was uh, took a trip to Mexico a couple of weeks ago, and – I was staying in this little place that was off the energy grid, and so there was no AC at night. You were allowed to run the AC during the day because there were solar panels, but not at night. And so I had to sleep with these big plate windows open so the breeze could come through. It was quite nice, actually. But the sun rose at 5.30 a.m., and the sun rose directly into the window (laughs) and started shining on my face. And it didn't really matter how late I stayed up or how many margaritas I had or whatever. That sun, mm-hmm. it, I woke up and I was like, okay, let's go. Let's, the sun is calling for me to get up, hmm. to move. That seems 
so deeply important to me hmm. that we rise, we stand, we stand up under that which burdens us. Yeah. We stand up against that which we don't know. And we have an effect on it. Hmm. It isn't luck. There is a lot of luck involved. But the second you open your eyes and you stand up and you say, let me get my feet underneath me, you are now an active agent in the unfolding of reality. Hmm. It's almost in the in the face of the unknown, which is, you know, how much is this luck? How much is this choice, skill, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm going to stand up and move forward. And even the unknown of like, what is going to happen? But I also kind of wonder what do you think about the other times where like I need to take time to, to think about something or to, to you've kind of, you're at your end and you need to lay down or, or, you know, there's, I feel like there's, I feel like there's like a, I'm trying to think of like the metaphors we use for sort of rest. Like, okay, there's too yeah. many things going on right now. I need to kind of just chill out or, right. Or take a moment. You need to take a break. Take a break. Yeah. Right. And there's something about the confusion that sometimes you just need to stop and, well, I think that's super important, mm -hmm. but it always comes after mm. the standing up. Mm. You can't make meaningful work happen during rest unless you have made a meaningful attempt first. Mm. And anyone who's ever tried to solve complex problems knows this. You go at a problem for a long time. It could be you're working on a car or building a house or building a website or, um, you know, all kinds of things. You're working at a problem. You can't mm -hmm. figure it out. You're frustrated. You're failing. You're failing. And so you finally go, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. And you step away. And you step away. Mm -hmm. And then you, you attend your mind to something else. And then all of a sudden you go, got it. Mm. I, f I know the answer. Mm -hmm. It just comes. Yeah. And I was reading Brett and Heather's book, A Hitchhiker's no, Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about sleep and how, I hope I can do just, justice to this. I thought it was really beautiful. The idea is that we, they started with the idea of eyesight. So um, we are not nocturnal or diurnal creatures. I think that's the right word, which means we see in the daytime. Mm -hmm. We don't see at nighttime. Yeah. There are creatures that see it in nighttime and they're at a disadvantage in the daytime, different kinds of eyes. Mm -hmm. So we are diurnal, which means that we are at a disadvantage at night. So there are predators, we can't see them coming. So it is best for us to stay put and stay still. Hmm. And so we evolved to sleep so that we can basically shut down our entire body and redirect all of our energy to our brain for a period of time while we're at a disadvantage at night. Hmm. And your brain is actually, I think, more active at night when you sleep than it is during the day. Or, or there's like no difference. Mm -hmm. So your brain is working on stuff. And part of that is dreams. Part of that is uh, dealing with memories, discarding things that aren't necessary or don't seem useful and, and filing away things that are. Mm -hmm. 
so your brain is actually pretty good at doing stuff when you're not conscious of it. And sometimes your consciousness gets in the way. And so I think that's what happens when you're trying to solve a problem, you say, I need to step away. Your brain doesn't stop working on it. You just need to give the rest of you that's getting in the way a rest hmm. and let your brain do its thing. And then generally you'll find the answer. So I think it's necessary. And, you know, a common, well, I don't know how common it is, but I have heard and I've, I've found this to be true that if you're learning something new, you should work at it. And then if you can directly afterward, take a nap, hmm. you'll absorb it very quickly. Interesting. So again, the rest and, and the break is, is a necessary and extremely functional part of the problem solving and the learning process, hmm. but it always comes after the attempt. It's like you need something to chew on during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, there's so many th threads here that are really fascinating as far as like standing up and taking action. And it's at, at some point in that you're kind of feeling out, you're feeling out the world and testing its boundaries. And then there's other times where you have to kind of sit back and process what that is because you don't know what you've encountered and right a lot of that's sort of unconscious and you have to kind of allow that to sort of process mm -hmm. mm. well i mean it's our very own analogy the shores of ignorance <laughs> you can't uh, live on the shores yeah but you can't learn anything from the island mm -hmm. so you have to go rest on the island and take refuge and then you have to go out into the unknown mm. into a place of some risk hmm. in order to discover what is new and what is needed hmm. in order to revitalize and protect what you have. It's interesting. I also was talking about this uh, as far as families go that, um, you know, when families are, you know, all the kids are the house. Uh, I wish I would remember the, it might be an anon that she's going to, Oh, Al-Anon? Al-Anon, sorry. Yeah, A-Anon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds like, uh, what do you call it, a, uh, a beauty company or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, there's this idea that families kind of revert to the norm after three days. So, like, whatever dynamics your family has, mm -hmm. it's sort of like everyone kind of reverts to that same dynamic after three days after of not being together. Um, and I'll have to look up the the facts on this, but it just really, it kind of makes sense of, you know, you're out living your lives, but you come back in this sort of family unit. And it's also, that's a safety too, because it's safe. You know what to expect. You know what your role is. And so you just fit back into that role. Right. And it also can be a, 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 a negative aspect also. Um, and also we're talking about like how as parents, as our kids grow up, it's like, there's a certain part, you know, you do provide that structure as a family, but then I think it's important for parents to allow their kids to be different and new in that structure. And I think the parents lead that, um, that sort of, uh, dynamic, that, that family dynamic, you know, um, which is interesting because I was, I was trying to think of like how, like in my family and, and Allison's family and, you know, I mean, I also really identify with it's like, you know, after, 
after three days or less, you know, she feels like the little girl that she was before, you know, of being with her parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, as I, and that was the thing I was talking to her. I was like, I don't feel that way. Like, I don't feel like I'm the, that little boy or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, but I was also kind of weird though (laughs) in that area. (laughs) Uh, well, I wonder if there's a difference between men and women with that. I was talking to my mom about this after mm. my dad died and I was telling her, you know, it's still very fresh. And I was saying, I, I don't miss him yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, because there was a, there was shock. I mean, my dad passed away without warning. Mm-hmm. No one saw it coming. And so there was shock for a long time and I didn't really feel anything. And then there was horror. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean? who knows exactly what role my dad was serving in this world. Mm-hmm. And we're about to find out in a really abrupt way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I will miss him. And I already do in in small ways, but it's not the pain. I don't feel the pain of missing yet. My mom does. And I told her, I said, I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that your relationship with him as his wife was such that you were meant to move toward him. Hmm. My relationship with him as his son was such that I was meant to move away. I was meant to grow up. Hmm. I was meant to move out of the house to leave. Hmm to need less. My mom was the opposite, right? And so I have been almost sort of just by virtue of my role as a son trained to miss less and less. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, you know, Allison feeling like she reverts to the girl I don't think that it's the daughter's job exactly to do the leaving like it is the son's job. The son is meant to leave and go establish something new. Hmm. The daughter is meant to be a part of that with some other son. But I could see how Allison might feel a reversion to the little girl and you wouldn't feel a reversion to a little boy because in part your project as a human has been to move away from that which from that boyhood mm-hmm. for your entire life. Yeah, I don't know. Because, <clears throat> again, I think, you know, even, uh, like, leaving your parents and, you know, I guess kind of like a biblical sort of Genesis moment where Adam and Eve were to, you know, or man and woman were to... to where is that said now? I'm <laughs> kind of like, but sort of leaving the parental unit and becoming one. It's like you're no longer a part of that. Uh, you're separated now and, and, and becoming something new, a new yeah. family unit. And I think just, just, you know, metaphorically that makes sense. And I find in, I feel, I feel like in healthy spaces, I see there's an acceptance of the new and, 
Um, well, let's, let's go here. Like, you know, your high school friends, you know, they want to interact with you as the Michael or Matt from high school or, you know, take your, take your pick. Someone who doesn't know you as you are now, you know, and like, Oh, Michael, this, this, and this. And like, like, yeah, I'm like not that guy anymore. (laughs) And, and you can kind of, you could revert back to that person, but that's not who you are now. And, And you almost have an aversion to be around those people because they see you as the Michael or Matt or Alison of that period. And maybe that's a little bit different with family. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, I think I lost the thread here. I did too. I think, I mean, the main point is that, you know, well, I guess the, 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 the thought I was thinking about was just how, like a family unit, there is something safe in that, that you know what to expect and you can kind of, you can go into that space. And Hopefully. I mean, there, there are oh, some, true, some true. people whose family is not mm-hmm. a safe place for them. Mm-hmm. But maybe if we expand the definition of family, uh, to not necessarily be your biological family, but that group of people that provides safety to you. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> but we want people to stay we like again I don't think we want people to change. We want the people to be predictable. We don't want people to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it takes a of a, a very unique person that allows somebody to be someone else. Do you want me to change? Shoot, yeah. <laughs> Such an ass. <laughs> I mean, fundamentally, yes. You know, I mean, I want that for you, and I would hope for you'd want that for me too. Well, it's an interesting question. I don't yeah. really think I don't think about that oh, actually, yeah. in our relationship. Like, I don't think I really hope Michael changes. Although, oh, okay, you know, I I think that I could I could say the things that I hope you would change. Mm-hmm. But they would all be in service of my friend becoming more fully who he is and accomplishing Mm -hmm. the things that I know he wants to accomplish. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything that I could say that I would hope you change that you don't already know about, actually, Mm -hmm. because they would all be things you've already told me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you you, you see things about me that you might not have the words for, you know, or even the timing for me, you mm-hmm. know, and vice versa, you know, and I think that's, that's something that, you know, like, cause like when you said that, I was like, no, yeah, I, I want you to change. But then when you kind of put in that, it's not like, Hey Matt, I wish you would stop wearing, you know, uh, Birkenstocks. <laughs> Start wearing Do Tevas. you? <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> you want me to switch to a Tevas guy? Yeah. Tevas guy <laughs> or tacos. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's, that's not the kind of change. It's like, I don't, cause like, I think when some people want other people to change, they want you to change to suit them. Yeah. Right. And not change for their better. Like we're. Well, I, I also don't think that people can change because someone wants them to, mm-hmm. which is maybe why I don't think about other people changing. I, I learned that very young. 
probably by virtue of being raised by two therapists. <laughs> I think I remember my dad telling me this when I was like in middle school or early high school. It's like the only time people change is because they want to. Mm. You can't change people. You can't even ask somebody to be different. Mm. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, maybe just push on that a little bit. It's like, you know, <clears throat> if Allison wanted me to change, I would, I would want to. But I think in that regard, I don't think I would change in the way that she's saying that. You know, I, I think it's more of like, you know, I think, or at least I believe like Allison have a, a fairly good relationship and and her wanting me to change means something and she might not know what it means and I might not know what it means but I feel like there's something there and it could be more for her or it could be for me you know mm -hmm. so it, it's interesting because you know if, if you well, I mean, again, just the shores of ignorance, our podcast is like part of this is, is to change, you know, and to grow in, in a deeper understanding and perspective of life and to live a, a deeper and more fulfilling life. Mm. Like, I think just the name of our podcast signifies that we want to change. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I think that that is true, mm -hmm. but only in hindsight. <laughs> okay. Also, I, I, I follow you, but I have no okay. yeah. Well, we started doing this, you know, because that's what dudes do. <laughs> Instead of going to therapy, you start a podcast. <laughs> um, you know, we had an idea. We said, let's try it. We really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And we started doing it because we enjoyed it. And it really wasn't until <clears throat> once we started doing this every week, which was in 2020, maybe not till the end of 2020, the end of that year, we'd done, you know, something like 50 episodes. I noticed I had changed. Hmm. I noticed my intellect sharpening. Mm -hmm. I noticed my, my, my daily activities even um, lending themselves toward the conversation that we were going to have. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was, oh, if I saw this interesting thing, which maybe in the past I would have been like, oh, maybe I'll take a look at that later. Now I'm more intentional. Hmm. I'm going to go look into that because I might want to talk about it with Michael on the yeah. podcast, right? And I need to know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh. Um, so I, but I only see that in hindsight and even mm. week to week, I don't show up here thinking, oh good, I'm going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to grow. I'm going to, yeah. those things are, I hope those are true, mm -hmm. but those, really those things aren't even motivating enough. Mm-hmm. You have to have the desire to do something mm. first, and then the change and the growth happen. If you go to the gym because you want to change your body, you're not going to keep going to the gym. You need to figure out a way to like going to the gym, mm. and then the change will happen. Yeah, It does sort of seem like... And maybe this is the blessing and the curse of being a conscious being is that everything is downstream of what you want. Hmm. 
which, um, well, reminds me, I, I, uh, I read this book about quitting smoking a few years ago. Oh, yeah. oh. And it was really simple. It's a whole book, really, but you don't need to read the book. The, the, the simple question is, do you want to quit smoking? Hmm. And if the answer is, and you have to answer that honestly, if the honest answer is no, then don't quit. You're not going to hmm. be able to do it. Yeah. If the honest answer is yes, then why would you smoke anymore? Mm-hmm. Every time, you know, that sort of addiction starts gnawing at you, you just say, why would I do something I don't want to do? Hmm. That little annoyance of that nicotine withdrawal, Mm -hmm. it's not even powerful enough to wake you up at night. So you would, you just ask yourself that simple question. Why would I do something I don't want to do? That's ridiculous. Hmm. But it means having to be honest about what you want. You know, if you want to quit smoking because it annoys your family or your girlfriend or your wife or your boss or whatever, it's never going to work. You have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. And the book sort of gave this like – well, I read the book actually because Ryan Bingham is this country music star and also a character or an actor in that show Yellowstone. Mm. Um, Which one's he in Yellowstone? Oh, what's his name? He's kind of the bad boy. Oh, that runs everything? Reverent, irreverent. No, not... I'm blanking on all their names now. Mm -hmm. He kind of comes in. He plays guitar. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, one of my best friends used to play guitar in his band, and so I've spent... This was a number of years ago. I spent a decent amount of time around him, Mm -hmm. and he smoked like a chimney, Hmm. and you can hear it in his voice. Um, and he quit. And my friend was telling me he quit cold turkey, no problem. Hmm. And my friend asked him how he did it. And he said, You're, I just read this book. And it, it made sense to him. Hmm. So I read that and it worked. I quit. <laughs> it worked. It did. It, it quit for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I mean, that, this is just occurring to me to be very powerful. The idea that almost everything is downstream of your own wants and desires. If that's true, then if you get real serious about being honest about what you want, hmm. your life will transform. That's super fascinating. I mean, how does that even tie? Because like, as you're t- saying this, it's like, what are we talking about when we're talking about luck as we started the conversation? Right. It's like, if you understand what you want, your life will transform. It's like, I agree with that. But also at the same time, how much luck is involved in that also? Well, the thing is that luck is inert. You could almost say it's random, Hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. what luck is. Yeah. You can respond to luck. You can respond to good luck. You can respond to bad luck. Luck can't respond to you. Hmm. So to the extent that luck plays a role in shaping your reality, it has the weaker hand against you. Hmm. So, okay, I wanted something. I didn't end up with it. It was just bad luck. Well, respond to the situation. You still want the thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm still want the outcome. So you get to w- wake up every day 
and keep at it, luck doesn't. Hmm. You might get dealt some more bad luck or some good luck that helps you, that hmm. makes up for the bad luck, you know? No sense trying to control something you can't control. You can control some things. Hmm. And that's a superpower. I don't know who said it, but it was like, luck favors the prepared. Yeah. And I, I've always loved that idea of, you know, you might not be in control of a lot of things in your life, but if you prepare yourself, you'll be able to take advantage of the times that, um, you know, if you're not a disciplined person. You can take advantage of luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not a disciplined person, then you're probably not going to be very good with money or responsibility or, you know, uh, you know, something plops in your, I mean, again, we, the, the lottery is always a fantastic example. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, luck happened and you get tens of millions of dollars, you know, mm -hmm. and it's almost always bad. It's almost always bad because you're not prepared for it. Yeah. It's like, and you, if you were prepared for it, you wouldn't have needed the luck of the lottery. You probably mm -hmm. would have just made the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always think of all the business people that I've read about and how many times they've failed. But by, by the time that they succeeded, they'd been prepared to handle mm -hmm. that success. And you always hear about that with young actors or young successes is that they somewhat implode at some point because they're not really prepared to handle that. Um, but I think that's, that's interesting. It's just, maybe there's an idea of just preparing yourself. <laughs> and I really kind of hate that we keep using the word luck. I think there's, you know, providence or I don't know what, what the other word could be in this, but, uh, yeah, I can't think of a better word at the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, luck, luck is functionally just fine for me. Yeah. It, it does too, because I mean, like in Ecclesiastes, it's sort of like the the rain shines on the on the the wise man and the fool. <clears throat> so I, I want to linger on that idea of preparation for a second. So your life isn't the way that you want it to be. You aren't where you want to be. Things didn't work out the way that you wanted, mm -hmm. or the way that you planned. Which is sort of a funny thing that we say, things didn't work out the way I planned. Well, then you probably didn't plan very well. <laughs> you know, you just had a dream mm -hmm. and then you just kind of went along the ride and you didn't end up there. Well, because yeah. you didn't plan. So what's the proper thing to do? It's like, well, be prepared. Prepare yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, prepare yourself for what? Hmm. Because there's an infinite number of things that could happen to you. You can't be prepared for all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is like, well, you might say, well, prepare yourself for the most likely events to happen. That's not good enough because you can't predict the future. Hmm. So you will be wasting a bunch of energy preparing for things that aren't going to happen for sure. So maybe the better answer is prepare yourself for what you want. Well, there's no waste there because everything that I'm preparing for is something that I want. And I might not get all of it. Mm -hmm. It might take a long time to get all of it. But I will be prepared for it. I will be ready and I will be waiting. And hmm. the process of preparing for what you want makes it much more likely that you will get it. 
I don't think most of us know what we want, though. I think that's the that's the big problem, kicker, yeah. right? Well, so if preparing for what you want increases <laughs> your likelihood of getting it, uh-huh. and if that's the proper way to approach preparation anyway, mm-hmm. then the next question is, well, what do you want? Mm. That's where it gets really hard. I think most of us, rather than answering that question, are content to just say, "Any new shows on Netflix?" Mm. That's interesting because also the idea of like wanting something kind of brings an accountability is that, okay, I want this and I got it. Well, that wasn't very fulfilling. You know, even like you talk about like, you know, oh man, I really want this new guitar or this new car or this new this and you get it. And at some point it sort of like loses its luster. It's like, oh, well, I I wanted that for a time, but now that I have it, it's not the value that I thought I it would be. Well, we don't like being wrong, do we? <laughs> well, I don't know what that's like. Especially, so. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you want something and then you sacrifice something for it. Mm-hmm. So you save up, you spend a bunch of time and energy saving up for that new car and then you get mm-hmm. it and you're like, oh, well, that didn't fill the hole. Mm-hmm. Shit. I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. of myself. Well, that's hard. So... And I think we all know that's hard. And so we mostly just don't even engage the project in the first place. Mm. But then when we do engage the project and we discover horrifyingly, oh, that wasn't what I wanted, Mm. rather than recalibrate and actually do the work to figure out what it is that we did actually want, we just say, let's just get by with the status quo. Mm. Much easier to not want or you know, desire for anything, which I think is the mistake the Buddhists make. Hmm. I mean, it's a really terribly difficult question. What do you want? And maybe it's so difficult because it has the power to change the world. It makes me think of like wanting is also is, a, is more of a refining process because you want something, you go after it, you learn something. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly what you wanted. And then it creates a different or new want and then you go after it and there's something you learn from it. And you always find everything that you want is always lacking. It's never like, like, oh, I'm fulfilled now. But I feel like wanting drives you to more completeness in some sense. Like uh, maybe I'm, I'm trying to draw this back to also relationships, you know, like I want to be your friend. And so in that I learn a lot about our friendship, you know, and it's not maybe the things that I wanted at the beginning are not necessarily the things I wanted now, you mm-hmm. know, or like with Allison, you know, like I want to be in relationship with her and each 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 moment that you're sort of having that realization and maybe even achieving that want, at some point it becomes lacking and you kind of have to reach higher and higher for, and now I'm trying to think of like maybe wanting is not even the right word for, for what I'm, for what I'm saying, but, but we're wanting closeness. We want, we're wanting relationship. We're wanting to know and to be known yeah. in different ways. You know, like there's a way that you're known, you know, 
with your wife and family and kids, there's a way that you're known through friendship. There's a way that you're known through community. You know, in your community, it's like one of the highest places is to be reliable, wise. People can trust you. And people want that. And sometimes, sometimes try to be perceived that without any substance behind mm, that also. Right. But this, it, but the, you can see the wanting in it, but it's just not achieved in the right way. It's It's achieved through deception maybe, you know? Yeah. Like our leaders, like, hey, we're going to lead you and I know what's best. Mm. We're like, well, I don't know if you know what's best. Because <laughs> AI is, starts with A and I. <laughs> Sorry. <Goodness. laughs> Y'all all go look up that Kamala Harris <laughs> clip. <laughs> AI is two letters. Um, yeah, there's something you said there that I'm trying to grab hold of. It's like, Well, you might, correct me if I get this wrong, you might want to be a leader mm. because that signals wisdom, competence, experience. Mm -hmm. And then, so you might seek out a leadership role and then mistake, mistakenly think because you have that role, you have wisdom, competence, and experience. I, I love it. So <laughs> early on in Medici, there's this young dude. He might have been in college or just in college. And he approaches me about consulting for Medici. And I mean, just his confidence alone, I totally admired. Mm -hmm. But he knew jack shit about business <laughs> and about business and anything. But he had the confidence. I'm, I'm sure now he's probably some Fortune 500 dude that is <laughs> yeah. just, it's like, if, if he kept that and learned the lessons along the way, I'm sure he's super successful right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was also the audacity, you know, to think that, you know, you had something like way beyond what he actually had, you know, mm -hmm. but also admire his audacity. <laughs> hmm. Such a difficult problem mm -hmm. growing up, mm -hmm. learning about yourself mm -hmm. and all the while having to solve pesky little problems like survival. And... <laughs> uh -huh. But what a wonderful privilege hmm. to get to do all of that. Yeah. I've been, um, we've talked about a lot over the past number of years doing Wim Hof breathing. Mm. I've been doing a lot more of it lately. And I've had this idea that at my core, I am two lungs. And I have a very complicated and sophisticated set of machinery mm -hmm. that has grown out of these two lungs that does fucking cool shit, you know, like <laughs> jujitsu, even though I don't do yeah. jujitsu. But, you know, you do this breathing exercise and you can feel, I can feel every cell in my body mm. wake up and go, let's fucking go. <laughs> I'm here. I'm alive, I'm moving, I'm full of electricity, I'm full of life. Just because I have these two 
balloons inside of me that mm. take in the air and the oxygen. And I have this skin that takes in the sun. Mm. And I, I just think I'm fucking alive. Whatever problems I have yeah. pale in comparison to the miracle of the fact that I'm alive and I can see it. Mm. I can watch it. I have thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. It's fascinating, like how you said that was, you know, just through like sort of the Wim Hof stuff and the understanding. Because I, I, I think about it all the time as far as, you know, when I do the whole breathe out all the oxygen out of my lungs as far yeah. as I can, I'm like, oh, this is cool because I'm getting all the carbon dioxide out and it's like it, all the oxygen's working in my body <laughs> and and then I breathe all this stuff all this oxygen is flooding my my system with oxygen you know it's like and then you're talking about the sun it's like how vitamin D is healthy and good for us mm -hmm. and, and it's like all this shit's going on and I don't even know about it half the time <laughs> right you know it's like the food the stuff that we the things we think about and meditate on, how much it affects us. And, you know, we just don't, we just don't understand that. It's like what you give your attention to has a huge amount of impact and the things you don't even know have an impact on you too. Yeah. The oxygen you breathe, the food you take. Luck. <laughs> it just made me think about, uh, <clears throat> again, Brett and Heather mm. on their podcast at the end, every, at the end of every episode of their podcast, Heather says, eat good food, go outside. Mm. And there's like a third thing. I don't remember what it is, but I mean, you get to eat food. Mm -hmm. You get to go outside in the sun. You get to dive into a pool of water or an ocean or a lake. I'm not sure what else we're fussing about here. Hmm. Hmm. So I think what I'm going to take away from this is that everything is downstream of what you want. So take seriously that question. It reminds me of Paul saying, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Hmm. Because if what you want is going to shape your reality, then you should be real careful about what it is that you want. Yeah. And don't mistake pleasure for desire. Don't mistake convenience for solution. Don't mistake a title and a role for the thing for as a hmm, my words are failing me as an indicator that you actually have gotten what you want because hmm. you didn't want a title you didn't want a role you wanted something deeper I like that cool yeah <clears throat> Well, shall we? Yeah, that's good. And I've, I feel like I still have a lot of questions on the on the stuff that we've talked about, but I think I've really enjoyed the exploration of it. Yeah, but it makes sense though. It's like 
we're always trying to figure out what do we want. Mm-hmm. I think it's a question that's always plaguing us and also pushing us forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Love you guys. Thanks for the shores. There. <laughs> or I guess we're going home. From Away the from the shores. Away from the shores. Time to go home. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> you don't have to go home, no. but you can't stay here. But if you have your beach towel, it says shores on it. <laughs> <laughs> the towel of ignorance. Towel that's going to be our next uh, <laughs> merch. Well, really, our first merch our item. First I mean, I guess we have these whiskey glasses. Yeah, but we just haven't we sold totally. any. <laughs> totally. We haven't offered them for sale. Hmm. That's no reason why we should sold them. <laughs> we're sold out. <laughs> we're sold out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Bye. Adios. <laughs>